Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. guys welcome to blue presents podcast podcast where i discuss all things music and how it affects my life and today i have one of another one of my great friends um josh styles on the show and we talk about how it all started for josh um finding out that he loved uh, metallica playing bass and as well as me and him being in the band devil inside and you know just you know how it was when we first met each other and how inviting the entire situation was so sit back relax and enjoy this episode what's up guys welcome to blue presents a podcast a podcast where i discuss all things music and how it affects my life and today i'm joined by another one of my great great friends josh styles on the phone today how you doing today josh i am excited and ready and willing (laughs) i love it josh i love it i love the energy i'm telling you right now this will probably be a really positive episode because josh's energy is just so positive and i love everything about it um so obviously (laughs) (laughs) obviously have to start off with my first question which is top five artists or top five records and as i understand you were prepared so let's have it yeah so i blue asked me this question about two days ago and i'm like well bro i can answer both of those and i did but i had to write them down so that way i didn't forget them while i was in the middle of talking about them mm-hmm. uh, we'll throw out the top five artists first mm-hmm. and then just and then do the top five albums because i threw a curveball into the top five albums dun 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 plot twist <laughs> yeah so my top the top five artists that i think have probably affected me the most and have had the most impact on how I play music, how I look at music would be number one, the big one for me is Metallica. Okay. The band, the band that absolutely got me into heavy music and was like, okay, I love heavy music from now on. Number two, I think for anybody that knows me, this is a no brainer is my chemical romance. Um, I really don't need to say anything much about them besides that. <laughs> reunion that they're doing is amazing and their first show back grossed like 1.2 million dollars that's insane that how do you do that that's incredible number three uh is the band that if i had a desert island band it would probably be this band Mm -hmm. it's a band that if i need to know everything is okay i can listen to them and number three is the ramones okay number four is i utterly love what this artist does i think she is amazing it is stevie nicks both her soul output and her fleetwood mac work all right you're over here sounding like my aunt (laughs) (laughs) yeah my aunt loves stevie nicks (laughs) she has very good taste and then my fifth top artist most certainly has had the biggest effect on any music that I, i at least play on my own would be buckethead the breadth of his output and the quality and the styles that he can do are unbelievable. And I have listened to Electric Tears and Colma so many times. I'm not gonna lie, I have I I, I know very little about Buckethead. I think I I think I need to dive into him a little bit more because I'm I'm be honest with you, I'm I know jack crap when it comes to Buckethead. <laughs> That's about it. But hit me with those top uh, five records, bro. Most people know Jack Crap about Buckethead just because he's an incredibly secretive, weird person. But I think as soon as you listen to him, you'll be like, oh, of course Josh likes this. <laughs> it's a seven-foot-old man who wears a, a white mask and a KFC bucket on his head. Question, <laughs> is he legitimately that tall or is he wearing stilts? What's that about? Uh, he's not actually seven feet tall, but he is 
like a he's a I think he's six five, but all of his <laughs> guitars have to be custom made because his hands are so big yeah. that if you were to hold any regular guitar he holds, it looks like a toy. That is absolutely the most insane thing I've ever heard. <laughs> That's crazy. I bet. I bet. For a while, Gibson made a custom buckethead Les Paul for him and if you wanted one you had to be prepared to shell out five thousand dollars and that's why josh is on this show today the knowledge you just dropped on us man <laughs> and i and i want one so bad but i have better ways to spend five thousand dollars yeah i was gonna say yeah no that's that's a crazy thing but anyways hit me with those top five records bro okay so my top five albums number one is gonna be uh, probably the band that started the journey into heavy music would be ACDC Back in Black. Okay. I believe my father would have been, my father introduced me to this record back in like the sixth slash seventh grade uh, when we were on a road trip to New York City for the day and he played it and I just remember hearing Hell's Bells and like I it blew my mind just hearing that. <laughs> and I remember back when I was still super into uh, WWE, it was like, I want to be a professional wrestler just so that way I can come out to Hell's Bells as my intro music. <laughs> That's hilarious because their new, uh, the new Friday Night SmackDown show intro is ACDC. Yeah. Check that yeah. out. <laughs> just, that was a record back in black. I remember in middle school, I would put it on while I was going to bed and just laying in my bed listening to Back in Black mm-hmm. and Hell's Bells and Shoot to Thrill, Have a Drink on Me, You Shook Me All Night Long. I would listen to it just laying in bed at night, and it's amazing. It's such an amazing, amazing record. Oh, yeah. So the ACDC song for SmackDown is called Are You Ready? Of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, man. So number two. Number two is obviously the record that like solid I love. Uh, heavy metal and that I wanted to that heavy metal is where I wanted to put an enormous amount of my listening time to is Metallica Master of Puppets. Okay. That was the first Metallica record I ever bought. Mm-hmm. I bought it in eighth grade before our eighth grade class trip. <laughs> and I originally was I I think I had just seen I'd pr- I'd seen something on VH1 about them before then I kind of knew who Metallica was. But I was like, I want to buy a Metallica CD. So I picked up Ride the Lightning. And then for whatever reason, I was like, mm, I think I'm going to switch. And I picked up Master <laughs> of Puppets. But it had cooler cover artwork. Yeah. And I remember, and I put it on. And it was one of those just, I had to stop everything I was doing. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> just listening. At and I remember we went on this trip. And it was a three-day trip Good to God. Washington, D.C. And I brought probably like, 13 or 14 other CDs and Master of Puppets was one of them. Mm-hmm. And I didn't take Master of Puppets out of the CD changer the entire time. <laughs> and we're driving around. It, it was the only CD I listened to, except at one point I switched it out to listen just one time through to Kiss Alive number three. <laughs> because I am that much of the uh, southerner hard rock heavy metal or that. I just got to that Kiss, Kiss concert man hey man nothing wrong with that but uh so album so yeah that was another album that I have listened to so many times to the point where I know that I'm a thing that should not be if you turn the volume all the way up you can hear the free roll and Cliff Burton's bass line and then Lars doing the count off so uh, my number three for you is going to be the Ramones It's Alive, which was a live album of the Ramones recorded in 1976 in England. Mm-hmm. To me, it's the epitome of what a live album should be. And the, Rap- the Ramones, to me, are the epitome of what a live band should be. Because if anybody doesn't know, the, Rap- the Ramones would play like 27 songs in probably like 30 minutes. They <laughs> really fucking fast. But not only that, is they didn't believe in doing inset breaks for, or anything like that. And mm-hmm. it's what I always wanted. It was keep that energy going. It every, in between every track, it's just they end, and then you just hear T D go, <laughs> and then it's just that song. And that's exactly what I always wanted. It, it's an album that I've listened to many, many times. And for me, it's one of those albums I can put it on, and anything else that's going on in life, it's like, 
okay, everything's all right again because I have the Ramones. You know what? I, I there's one thing I want to bring up before you get on with your next uh, next two albums. Um, the live album is kind of a lost art, man. Why don't more bands do that stuff? It would just be awesome to have that. There's there's only a few I that have, I can think of that have a live I, album. I have a feeling that it's an expensive thing to do, mm, and I, now have to finance so much more of what they're doing on their own. This is true. Taking off and you just have to invest smartly and the live albums have definitely just fallen by the wayside. I think it also has to do is we're no longer listening to albums as a whole as much unless you're doing like what the Acacia Strangers did and releasing an album that you have to play the entire way through because every song feeds into the next song. Mm, My God, I love it so much. I'm not even going to lie. That is a great, great, great record. I've I've had friends who have mixed reviews, even our good friend Ray, uh, who is a diehard Acacia Strain fan. He even had some things to say about it, which I thought was like, wow, this is like, it's a really good album, but he he had some feelings about it. So, but anyways. really phenomenal record no it is it really is i i'm a very uh we're very unsurprised on how good it was but anyways let's get to these last two so we can get deep down into this interview my friend so my number four record is actually be considered an ep but it is by a band called courage my love out of uh kitchener ontario canada and okay it's called Born Out. uh they released it back in 2011 i believe i first heard it in like 2012 there are they're currently more of like a synth pop synth rock band, but when they first released this, they were more of like a Paramore pop punk shred band. But I remember when I heard it, I had yet to start playing in bands and I was just playing music on my own in my bedroom. And I was so sick of playing and jamming everything. I just wasn't having any fun playing music anymore. I wasn't having fun jamming on my own. I wasn't having fun writing. I was just trying to write metal songs, but, I just couldn't do it. And then I heard uh, their song Bridges and I listened to the rest of the CP. And then I just had this epiphany like, oh my God, I'm supposed to be having fun when I'm playing. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. Music is supposed to be fun to me. Yeah, I'm supposed to be having a good so time. Like, I listened to that out to that record so many times and I listened to their next record, uh, Becoming, so many times. And I, I have, this is a band that I have seen multiple times at this point they'd know my face they recognize me <laughs> every time they roll Connecticut I see I once drove into Providence through a snowstorm to see them and drove home through another snowstorm to see them I've gotten the chance That's dedication, to open Josh. and just tell them how much they mean to me but they that record absolutely made allowed me to go on and perform in bands and it's phenomenal Nothing wrong with that hit me with that last one Josh Okay, so this is a curveball. Oh, and it's kind of it's a kind of a really rare record because it was never released. So you'd have to know like a member of the band in order to get it. But it's absolutely had the biggest impact on my life. The record called Darkest. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Parts of Me by a band called Devil Inside. <laughs> Oh my god, if anybody knows why I'm laughing right now, it's because me and Josh were both in Devil Inside, and I did yeah. not expect him to go this direction. <laughs> oh, I yes. <laughs> Some people are probably going to think this is a little narcissistic, and I absolutely do not. 
I think that if you're a recording artist mm-hmm. and if you have to list like the top five or top three or top whatever albums that had the biggest impact on your life, the album, like the first album you ever got to record, I think should absolutely be on there. True. And I mean, this, an album that I had never, Devil Inside was the first band I was ever like full time a part of and I wasn't just filling in. Mm-hmm. And then Tom and Steve, the guitar players, like when I joined, they were like, yeah, do your own thing, write your own parts. We mm-hmm. want you to feel comfortable in the band. And so I'll, all of the bass tracks on that album, I got to write them. I went in there on May 5th, the day after my birthday, and just recorded uh, nine tracks in one to two takes for each track. Wow. It was just, it, so I got to play on that album. I have it in my car. And I can go and put it on, and if I turn the volume up real loud, I can be like, "Hey, I remember playing those notes because I may, I may have gotten uh, Jason Newsteaded a little bit." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of not by the band's decision. The mixing engineer, re- I think he really hated bass players and was like, "Man, <laughs> fuck this." My favorite. <laughs> um. But, that's that's I yeah. mean no I get what you're saying man because I mean you if you're not taking pride in what you put out yourself then what do you have to be happy about you know why what makes you say you're um, a, a musician if you don't enjoy what you put out yourself and it, like it, me laughing about it was just I wasn't ready for that to be one of your answers but I totally understand it after you explain that meaning because it's just you created that you created that sound you you took the time you put the time in to do that you know so why why wouldn't you be proud of of what you've created you know exactly it was i no matter what i do with music in the future it even if i end up walking away from it and tom and Rabano and i the guitar other guitar player for uh uh, Devil Inside, he and I talked about this a lot, is no one can ever take this record from us. No. No one can ever take from us the fact that we went down to Nick Belmore's studio, we took our instruments, we plugged in, and we recorded. And, like, that's ours. That's our thing. No, At the end of time, we, we as a band recorded an album. There's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that. I completely agree with you, Josh. And, Anybody who says otherwise can eat a dirty sock. Um, so we're going we're gonna to move along, Josh, and we're going to start with my next question and say, how did it start for Josh? Besides, you know, Master of Puppets and, you know, it sounds like you've got a lot. The, the bands you listed, you kind of you gave good descript- descriptions on how they got you into what you're into now. How did it start for Josh? When did Josh decide, you know what, I think I'm a bass player? Uh, how did I decide I wanted to be a bass player? Well, it's more or less, how did it start for you? And then when did you decide, hey, my name's Josh, I play bass? <laughs> so I never really played in bands in high school. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I think most of the people you'll talk to will probably say like in high school, they was when they picked up their guitar or their bass, the drums or the microphone. And when they started, I didn't, I am mm-hmm. very, I can't to the game in that I didn't start playing guitar until I graduated high school. Wow. And then, like, I, from there, like, I just kind of jammed on my own through college for a while, because I didn't really join my first band until I was uh, 28, 27 years old, and that band was Devil Inside. Dun, dun, dun. So thanks for answering my next question, but (laughs) there we go. (laughs) (laughs) But... But I mean, no, that's that's cool. I mean, it, you never really think about it. There's people who start late in certain professions that a lot of people are just like, that's way too late to start. But somehow you've started late and you are, I would have to say, probably one of my favorite bass players I've ever gotten the chance to play with. Um, I'm sure some other people will probably be like, hey, you know, I used to play bass with you in whatever cases. No disrespect to you guys. Love you guys. Support you guys. But there's a, I would have to say you are the top bass player I've ever gotten a chance to play with. You're, you're a true bass player is, is where along the lines. Cause a lot of people that I've played bass bands in who have played bass with me, they were a guitar player first. And then they were like, Oh, well I guess I can play bass. Cause I know how to do that too. Yeah. I see that a lot. And it's just funny. You describe it like that just because I started on guitar first, mm-hmm. but I, the bass is definitely more my instrument i have so much more fun with it and i'm able to approach it in a way that i know what i can do and i know my limits and i know how to push them whereas guitar i i have a glorified rhythm player (laughs) i am 
when I pick up the guitar, I am absolutely Johnny Ramone or Doyle <laughs> Wolf Frankenstein from the Misfits. All I want to do is just slam power chords and screw my hair around, which I can do on the bass, and it sounds great. But when I do it on guitar, everyone's like, let's turn him down. <laughs> <laughs> turn that down just well, a tad. In starting late, I just wanted to add that I think it's much better that I came into the game so late. I mean, I did a lot of playing on my own and jamming on my own and just mm-hmm. writing on my own before I joined a band. But not only did I do that, I did a lot of maturing on my own. Yeah, you as got a person. And so I didn't have to come in and bring this ego to end <laughs> a project. And Somewhere like, shots are being fired at someone right now. <laughs> I'm not, no, this fire shots at younger me. Okay, okay. Nita Strauss, the guitar player for uh, Alice Cooper, has a shirt that said Ego Kills Talent. And I think had I come into the game at like 21 or 22, my ego then would have destroyed my talent. And I think I would have come, people would have come away from meeting me then and had a much different opinion than of me now. That's true. My idea of how good I was then mm-hmm. would have gotten in the way of what I could actually do, whereas now I am a much more humble, less egotistical person. Yeah, that's a true point, because I, I would definitely say um, I did not take that route. I was When I got into music, I was like 16, 17 years old, and then once I finally became transitioned from trying to be a bass player to being a vocalist... Um, yeah, my ego swelled off the hook. Like it was bad. Like my wife will tell you when she first met me, she was just like, who the hell is this cocky son of a bitch? Um, you're a vocalist and that's expected of every lead vocalist ever. Yeah. But at some some point I had to like scale it back. I had to recognize that that wasn't the way to go. You know, um, when you're young like that and you figure out that you have a talent like that, um, especially we, you look at my background, my background, I just was basically, I grew up dirt poor. We were poor. We were absolutely fucking poor. Um, and just coming from that and then recognizing I had like a pretty cool talent that some people don't have the talent to do. And then people telling you, you know, it kind of feeds into your ego. Your brain swells up. You start thinking about how, you know, like, yeah, I'm a fucking great vocalist, you know. But then there's other people, you know, my wife, who will knock you off your fucking pedestal if you think you're hot shit, you know. (laughs) I've met Tasha. Yes, she will. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So anyways, Josh, in talking about that and in talking about like your music, you kind of answered my next question. But. We're going to skip ahead to another question that I have, and I think this is an interesting one um, because it sounds like you got into music pretty young. So what was your first show? What what was your first show you actually went and you saw a band and you were just like, wow, I'm about this? Uh, The very first concert I remember going to was the Blue Man Group in eighth grade on the eighth grade class trip. (laughs) So what was so lit about Blue Man Group? You just were like, that's what I want to (laughs) do. I just... I, what I remember most about going to see Blue Man Group was like, wow, this is my first concert. And <laughs> if you've never seen the Blue Man Group, it's actually a really fun experience just mm-hmm. because they make music out of so many just found objects. Yeah. And their choreograph- choreography and their stage presence and the act that they put on is mm-hmm. as much fun. They're actually quite funny, music. too, when you watch them play. They, they do a lot of funny things. Um like they did, uh, I, I saw them in Orlando and I, uh, I laughed cause they did, they did like an interesting version of who let the dogs out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're very, very funny. But yeah. I think the first concert that I would have probably paid to see would have been a local band from when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And I actually still have both of the teams that this band made. Okay. They were like an emo ska pop punk band. Oh my God. There's so many genres fucking there. It's hard to catch. They're called the angry, the angry toasters. And they named themselves that not realizing there was already a ska band called the toasters. Oh, (laughs) the angry toasters. And then there was a band. There's a band called the toasters. And the toasters is like an actual assigned label band. Yeah. I I think they were on victory. The angry toasters is like, they were really fairly big among like the local shoreline acts of like the mm-hmm. early 2000s. And I saw them many times at the Stony Creek Puppet Theater down in Stony Creek in Brantford. I just remember the first time seeing them, the two guitar players and two votes were cousins. 
Alex and Vin, and Alex had taped onto his amp, I hate Vin, who's just the <laughs> other member of his band and his cousin, which if anyone has ever seen me play in Devil Inside, they would know that my amp said, I love him, and that's where I took that from. But the energy that they brought and mm-hmm. the energy that like, the, the crowd would bring, because it was all the people that you went to high school with and all your friends, we like we would just ganking circles and moshing and walls of death, and we would crowd surf. And, but <laughs> they were so high energy, their bass player would just randomly be flipping his guitar around his back. Alex, at some point, might be climbing on the wall. <laughs> and like and their shows, I remember both Alex and Vin would stand up on their on top of their amplifier. Their parents like went to Berkeley, mm-hmm. and so good gear. Like they weren't playing with knockoff Epiphones. Because back in the day, Epiphones sucked garbage. <laughs> Epiphone guitars used to be horrible. Mm. But Alex had actual Gibson Explorers and actual Marshall half stacks. And so they would both wow. stand on top of their half stacks, their guitars to each other, admit it, and then just jump off. Oh, God. So fucking cool. Very story of the year. If you really think about it, I don't know if you've ever seen Story of the Year before, but they're very. Um, first time I saw them was 2006 those guys put on a very dynamic insane show and as physical as that throwing guitars at each other and doing backflips off of amps and stuff well it's that kind of performance that i've always loved because i don't go to a show to see a perfect technical execution of what you're doing i go to a show to feel something you are not lying about that for sure (laughs) And that's something I have always tried to bring to every performance I, I have ever done. And I want, I'd love to see other performers do it because I don't have, I don't have icons. I don't have heroes mm-hmm. because your, your idols are only human and your heroes will let you down. But if I have something that's close to that, it's Henry Rollins. Mm-hmm. And there's been many times when I will just sit and watch his stand up speeches on YouTube. And one of the things he once said that I took to heart was if you're a band that ever goes out and just does like with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A warm show before the big gig or goes out and stands around and doesn't move, then you need to fucking quit. True that. And that's something that I've always felt is like, if you're just going to go into your performance and you're just going to stand there and not really move around, and just focus on doing everything perfect and treat it like band practice. Well, then one, then sell your instruments and go take up bird watching or something. Get off the stage. Exactly. I don't care if it's one person. I don't care if it's fifty people. They gave up their money, which they can get back. Mm-hmm. They can work hard and get that back. But every person in that audience gave up their time, and they will never get that evening back. So you better leave an impression on them. This is true, and, and and I love that passion about you, Josh. That's what I've always loved about you. You have a you have a view of music that it doesn't matter if we're playing in front of ten people or we're playing in front of one person. You want to bring the energy every time, and you do bring the energy every time. Um, and I've played a fair amount of shows to one person. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have done that before. But anyways, man, so we're going to hop to my next question. And if there's one thing I know about Josh besides the love of metal is your love for nature. Um, just, just talk about how freeing it is. I've seen so many of your snaps, your Instagram, where you were just, you're out in the woods, man. You're just, you're looking for something. I don't know what you're looking for, but you're definitely looking for something. What is it about nature and possibly you, nature and metal all together? How did, how did you three hook up? (laughs) So I know in case anybody doesn't know what Blue is talking about, I am a prodigious hiker. Uh, I spent my 30th birthday hiking Mount Washington in May. I went back in August to go to the summit. Uh, I have hiked Mount Greylock alone in winter several times. I, so I get out alone into nature, and it's just there's something about being out there. It's like you get in the zone, mm-hmm. and anybody that's ever done any kind of art will understand what I'm talking about. It, everything feels right. 
it's almost like you're disconnected from yourself. And every now and then when you're performing on stage, you get to slip into that place where it's like every note you hit is right and just everything is resonating. And it's kind of what it's like being out in nature is it's so peaceful as you get to feel just the weight of this of society is the weight of adult life and adult responsibilities to kind of slip off and you can just kind of like be alone with yourself and alone with your thoughts that's and a, it, that's a cool thing like, because sometimes just watching some of the places you go and and just for anybody to know um i don't hike i don't really give a shit about nature um but some of the places that you've shown just through videos and stuff like that just they're breathtaking man and i can kind of see why you like those things man just to you know, to find a little, you know, a little place where there's, you know, some free, free flowing water during a time when everything is just completely covered in ice. You know, it's almost, it's like super cool, but you will never catch my ass out there. <laughs> so thank you, Josh, for letting us live vicariously through your Instagram. <laughs> you are welcome. But yes, that feeling is one that I, I encapsulate sometimes when I'm performing. It's, and I, it's much easier to get when I'm hiking. I just think it's that release of in, the specific endorphins in the brain. But yes. So can I ask a question short. though? Um, Cause it, this is my next question for you. Do you feel like that's what feeds into your positive vibe? Because to be honest with you, Josh, there's a lot of times where I hang out with you and even though a situation might be stressful, you are the coolest head in the freaking room. So do you feel like you having those moments to get out and have your, free thought free thought if i can talk for a second um in nature and in music and stuff like that do you feel like that feeds into your positive vibe uh possibly i've never thought about it like that Mm -hmm. Uh, i know that usually i like to take the objective look at everything and Mm -hmm. i have a thing where when everybody else is freaking out around me i can (laughs) become the calm one and sort of just okay we just take a step back and divorce ourselves from emotions and look at this logically. Exactly. And, but I think so is probably getting out alone into nature mm-hmm. or playing that zone. It allows, it's like a stress relief valve. I mean, it, it to be honest, like I said, it, it's you who in situations that are seem really, really stressful that are the positive one. And I think the other thing that I think is, I think I think every band needs a person like you, the type of person who can remove themselves from the situation and look at you and say, hey, man, look, it's really crappy right now, but we got this. We got this. We got this. Let's not worry about what we can't control and let's go back and do what we came here to do, which is either perform or get people excited about us getting ready to perform, you know, so. You know, I asked that question and I hope it doesn't come off kind of like sounding like an asshole, but it just there's something, you know, I wish I could understand some of the, you know, just the happiness that you bring as a person to any situation, whether it be negative or whether it already be a happy situation. You can make everyone and anyone in the room feel at peace. You know what I'm saying? I think that's a fucking awesome thing. It's so funny hearing you say that because while Blue says I'm the most positive person he's been around, <laughs> Blue is the most unashamedly positive <laughs> person I have ever met. And he has been like that since the moment I met him. My kids and uh, wife would and say I, otherwise. <laughs> is that when Blue came to join Devil Inside, the first practice he came into, within 30 seconds, he busts in the door and he's like, all right, what's up, guys? Let's get some stuff out of the way. First off, my name is Franz. People call me Blue. You might hear my fiance, Tasha. She's beautiful. I love her so much. She's the best. But she may call me, yes, Tasha, he actually said that. But she, she may call me Franz, just in case you want to know. Second off, I'm not black. I am Puerto Rican. No, I can't speak Spanish. Don't ask me. I think people... That was the first 30 seconds of meeting Blue. And I remember Tom and I just looked at each other like, what the fuck? It's going on. No, I think a lot of people get confused. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, I grew I grew up in a background where, you know, I was predominantly around. Uh, I grew up around black people my whole entire life, but I'm I was born Puerto Rican. Um, but I do have family members who, if you saw them, you would think they were probably you know black themselves, but they don't speak a lick of English. They're all Hispanic and stuff like that. Um, and it's also it just has to do with where we come from in the part of Puerto Rico and stuff like that. So a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't recognize that. They're like they see the dark skin. What's up, my brother? I'm just like, yeah, what up, man? How you doing, man? <laughs> you know, just I'm a regular, 
you know, and, and there's nothing I don't want to separate myself from from there's African roots within Puerto Ricans that a lot of people don't recognize. And I don't want to separate yeah. myself from that. I, I, I respect it. I love it. Um, and I respect, you know, um, that, you know, my little sister, she's half Jamaican, half Puerto Rican. But you, you see her, you just swear she was all black. You know what I'm saying? Um, so some people yeah. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know why I had to explain that. But some people get so confused with that sometimes. But. It, it's it's all good. Me and Ty had a conversation on my podcast, and if you haven't heard that one, you should listen back. I think it's episode six. Ty's on there talking about um, being colored and being in music. We both had that same struggle. Um, a lot yeah. of people, a lot of people look at us kind of differently because we look at we don't look like everybody else. But you know, that's that's the fantastic part about it is we get a chance opportunity to show people that you know certain people in a weird way identify certain races with doing certain kinds of music but me and ty kind of step in and just say hey we're we're not the same race we're different and we do the same exact thing and we can do it pretty well too yeah which i think that's especially prevalent in metal is if it's not a mm-hmm. white dude with long hair <laughs> up on stage everybody looks at, at the band strangely no and, and that's okay i'm not I'm not mad at it i'm not you know what i'm saying i definitely wish it could change a little bit more because i do know people um there's a lot of talented you know people of color who front metal bands i mean hell there's a lot of talented um like people from overseas you know um japanese people korean people that do really sick metal bands you know crystal lake and greg yeah, Duran Gray, uh, Crystal Lake is one of those bands that like I have a lot of respect for. They're different color. You wouldn't expect them to hit you with that they do, but they do. But anyways, Josh, I got a question for you, man. Me and you were both in The Devil Inside, which you were extremely proud of. We found out earlier in this episode. No, wait, I have to stop you. What did you just call the band? Oh, Devil Inside. Sorry, I didn't mean there to say the. No d- yeah, no, I've, I've, I've gotten in trouble with that before. Um, he has introduced us as the devil inside. Well, here's the thing, though. In proper English, you would say the when I was asking when we we're talking about the band, it would be devil inside. So in proper English, you would say the, but that's just me messing things up as always. <laughs> uh, no, I think everybody has made that mistake at some point because of that, and also because Lipknot released a song called "The Devil and I." That's true. Yeah, that that's probably built in there somewhere. It's, it's almost like that famous. Brain. Yeah, it's almost like that famous line that everyone forgets from Star Wars. It's like, um, if I'm not mistaken, um, uh, it's the I'm, I'm your father part. And I don't think he says it that way. I think he says it another way, but people remember it the other way than it was. It's just like, no, it's not what he said, you know? Yes, what, what Blue is talking about is Darth Vader never goes, Luke, I am your father. He yeah. just says, no, I am your father. Exactly. But everybody can hear it that line perfectly mm-hmm. in their head Darth Vader saying Luke but that didn't happen you are remembering incorrectly exactly what is that called it's something I, I can't remember what it's called the something effect I'm trying to remember it's not that big uh, of a deal I don't remember either you actually. Do. but anyways so me and you were both in Devil Inside got that one right um, what was it besides the, the, the chance to um create your own bass lines and your own bass riffs what was it about that band that made you feel happy feel wanted feel like this was this is the band that i need to be in um so at that point in time i had been heavily looking to join a band full-time i was finally ready i finally had like a little bit of money saved up in the bank so i could afford to drop to cart beer around and afford new strings on the regular mm-hmm. and i had a taste of performing mm-hmm. right before then. I had played my first show, I think, several months before I joined Devil Inside with a band called Intercourse. Mm. What's up, Ricky? Hey, Caleb, Timmy. Those mm-hmm. are all the members. They're all my friends at this point. The bass player, Tim, is like my surrogate punk rock dad. He was my boss. I bought my entire amp and set up from him. Wow. But I had gotten to fill in for them one night, which was spent. If you've never heard Intercourse, um, they are they play very loud, they play very discordant hardcore, mm-hmm. and it's amazing, and I love them. But uh, Timmy hadn't been able to play a show one night, and he gave me the opportunity to fill in. So Jay, the guitar player, he and I spent two hours at the bar beforehand, and then we went on stage at a, this weird little punk rock get-together out in Mystic in an old VFW mm-hmm. hall. 
because that's one of the most old punk rock hardcores you can do in New England is <laughs> with a hardcore get gathering at the VFW. Mm, but uh, I've played several. I got to just release all that pent up energy where I mm-hmm. just for like 15 minutes just beat the living snot out of my bass and I got to end <laughs> that show ripping rip off and I just took the bass off and I threw it to the ground as hard as possible and I shattered it into three pieces and I threw my pedal board just mm-hmm. because that's what the first was at the time was it was just chaotic hardcore violence and I loved like every second of it <laughs> and then I got to do a little bit of fill-in work with a band that I, I still miss and I would like to do more filling work with them called uh, Cometa, oh. which is founded by twin brothers uh, Grant and Gareth Cometa. What's up, boys? If you hear this, I love you both. <laughs> but they're like they're like a dan- a dancey pop punk band. Nothing wrong with that. And so I got to fill in with them a couple times, and they 100% made me a better bass player. They broke me out of my four on the floor hardcore roots. Mm-hmm. And they learned, They taught me how to play, uh, like off-time changes and off-time triplets, mm-hmm. and where to add cool uh, octave accent notes. Since we're playing in drop D, you have two two D strings on there, so you can add some pretty cool octave hits that will accentuate the snare hit. Mm-hmm. It one hundred percent helps me. But at that time, I was like, I want to be in a band full time. Okay. And so. Way back in the dark days of 2017, I saw a Craigslist ad saying that Devil Inside was looking for a bass player, and I responded to the ad, but then I looked them up, and I found their Facebook, Mm -hmm. and I got to see some videos of them playing, and my first thought was like, oh, they're like Howard Jones, Eric Killswitch, because Mm -hmm. they've got Ty, who is able to sing and scream interchangeably, Mm -hmm. and the song that I was able to hear sounded really good, and I was Mm -hmm. like, okay is interesting and then i saw hey they're playing a show like a day or two the saturday after thanksgiving 2017 i should go to that mm-hmm. so i can use i can go and i can introduce myself so the, what's funny is before then i'd taken a day trip up to barkhamstead connecticut don't worry nobody knows where that is <laughs> the in- to go see intercourse record a music video and play a small show in a barn with all of the other anarcho-crust punks who pulled themselves out of the gutter to go see that. <laughs> that was fun. It was a little scary being on the side of a barn with a whole bunch of other punk rock kids mm-hmm. with watching, watching intercourse, hearing somebody very drunkenly complain that nobody had any cocaine that he could store off a stripper's boobs. That was weird. But mm-hmm. after intercourse did their thing, Tim was like, yeah, the next person, next band isn't playing until nine. We're not going to stick around. Whoa. You don't have to. I was like, cool, I'm not. I'm going to go see this band Devil Inside down in uh, Stratford at Main Street Tavern. Mm-hmm. So I did that. And I'm telling you all this to tell this story because I love telling it to people. So I went down Main Street Tavern in 2017 to see Devil Inside play. I got there before all of the other bands and I got to watch everybody load in. And I remember I was standing up watching the fir- watching the first band start to play and I'm leaning against this post and Devil Inside I hadn't met them yet but they're standing right next to me and if anybody has ever seen me at a show they know what I look like black <laughs> pants Doc Martin my denim vest long hair I looked like the ghost of Cliff Burton and Tom Lugano <laughs> has later told me that he and Steve both were like who is this creepy guy that looks like the ghost of Cliff Burton standing there watching <laughs> Nobody has any idea who he is. We're mm-hmm. all kind of freaked out. But I was watching the first band set up, and I remember watching their guitar player, who looked like he was 12, get ready. And then when they started, they all wore masks. And their guitar player was wearing this mask that covered the bottom of his mouth but left his eyes free. And he walked up to somebody earlier on while he was playing to just stare directly at them. And all I could think of was, you don't want to do that to me. It's not going to end I think it is. So he walks back, and then Tom, like, walks up and stands next to me and just has his arms crossed and is waiting, and I I didn't know him yet. And then this guitar player for the first band walks over to me, and I know I watch him come closer, and I'm like, all right, you're doing this. You have to accept the consequences. So he acts like he's going to be all tough, Mr. (laughs) 12-year-old. Get right So he comes up. I just push myself off the post 
grab him by the back of the head and give him the biggest, wettest, sloppiest kiss on the <laughs> mouth of his ass as I could. <laughs> I'd have died from from how hard he was laughing. Only, only Josh. If you understand who Josh is, this is an only Josh moment because that's like. That is so, Josh, it's not even funny. <laughs> Go ahead, Josh. Uh, I got to, but then I just got to sit and wait, and I met, the funny part is, I was there was a band that played directly before Devil Inside called Demon Chauffeur, who I'm now friends with everybody in that band. Mm-hmm. Their drummer at the time, Ray Ludy III, Woo! my heavy metal brother from another mother. One Shouts out to Ray. For the game, the second sexiest man alive. <laughs> But he, that is now essentially my little brother and my musical other half. He and I now play together as often as we can. And he was later the drummer for Devil Inside. I hope I hope that there. I hope I can get him on the show soon too because I he I love his story. And if anybody doesn't know anything about uh, Ray, he's just he's high energy. He's got a long line of, of of family of musicians, man. And I think he's got a really great story. Just like Josh has a great story, man. You know, um, Ray. Without a doubt, the best, uh, the best drummer in Connecticut. I'm, I'm. There is um, no disrespect to anybody I've played with. Um, <clears throat> you know, I thought Rich was a great drummer. He brought a lot of energy to it. But when it comes to execution, it comes to pure talent. Um, Ray is that guy, and it's no disrespect to my dude, Rich. Rich did. Rich does an awesome job job as a drummer. When we were in Years of Vengeance, I thought he was absolutely amazing but working with ray and understanding how ray sees drums and how it it formulates together is pretty awesome so so real quick before we close this show because we're we're getting to that time josh um it's been really great having you on um and i appreciate and i wrapped up the story oh yeah yeah that's right shoot i'm already messing it up go ahead and hit that (laughs) real quick i i I get lost in storytelling, but no, I right. watched one side play without a bass player, and I loved what I heard because it sounds like the Howard Jones era kill switch mm-hmm. that so many of us love, and it's not, it's very harmonic, it's very catchy, it's mm-hmm. not so heavy that, like, you can't get into it, but it's not so melodic that it's going to lose the metal crowd, it's this beautiful middle ground, and I thought the songs that Tom and Steve had written mm-hmm. were just, they were perfect. I was like, this brings me back to 2005. And like after the show, they were like, hey, we need a bass player. I walked right up and I said, I have a bass, I have an amp, mm-hmm. I have a car, and I have a job. When do I start? Exactly. <laughs> uh, and I met them the next, did my first practice with them the next day where I yeah. jumped off a roof when I met them. <laughs> I think that is when Tom knew, like, I found my guy. No, I think that's that's a that's a cool story to you know to tell and and, and to be honest with you, since since you kind of told your story, we're gonna go a little bit extra long on this podcast. I'm gonna tell my story about how um, things with Devil Inside happen. Um, so I'm not gonna sit here and say that I'm a um, psychic or anything like that, but um, we had played a few shows with you guys when I was in years of vengeance and there was this one particular show, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was summer slam. So this was like summer of, uh, 2018 and yep, I know the show. Oh. exactly. Um, and I had this feeling and I walked up to my wife and my wife and Tasha will tell you, I walked up to her and I said, I don't know why, but I got a feeling one day I'm going to be in this band. And I kind of said that. Um, and then fast forward a couple weeks later, um, years of vengeance breaks up and things kind of went south unfortunately due to some some reasons and some people's issues and stuff like that um, things out of my control that I couldn't control and I kind of put that out there and um, my wife my wife equates this to the equivalent of when you say you break when a girl says she's single and then everyone yeah. slides into your DMs and it's just like oh I'm so sorry you lost your significant other but yep. anyways would you like to hang out sometime <laughs> it was yeah, kind of like i know for a fact that ray ludy as soon as he saw you split <laughs> into your dm so hard well he was he was it, actually be honest with you he was actually really cool he just talked to me he didn't he wasn't like he if, if anything he was the nice guy in the situation who was just like just talking to me and whatever the case it was tom who slid into my dms it was like hey man so sorry that happened but hey uh was wondering <laughs> you know just he kind of yeah, like that's 100 percent tom Roboto. <laughs> exactly um and he kind of like was like hey man we're changing singers we need somebody 
was wondering if you were interested. And I think literally the following week, I was in Connecticut with you guys um, practicing. And that's when we first, um, I would say, officially, officially met. Um, even though we had we had met and shook hands and met at shows and stuff like that. I think that was the first time me and you finally were, like, yeah. you know, kind of like really positive and then you know we talked for a little while and kind of i kind of got to know who you were as a person josh and i think that also made me you know um, unfortunately you know uh, things went on and unfortunately you know tom tom moved to arizona and steve has a budding career as a you know as an officer right now and i'm so happy for those guys and i'm not gonna lie i miss those days man it was it was fun there was a little bit of tension because you know when you play sixty thousand shows in one month you know it kind of gets out of hand but there was still there was still good times there were still great opportunities um my first show with you guys was the phil and sambo show with the illegals which oh my god talk about a show i just remember getting on that stage welcome to devil inside show is hey glad you're the band now we're gonna go up to providence to open up for phil anselmo the voice of pantera in down and super joint ritual exactly excellent some in the illegal and yeah you have to sing for us no biggie right <laughs> exactly intimidation intimidation right off the bat but i think i handled myself pretty well I, w- I wouldn't say it was the most perfect performance i've ever done but it was it was an awesome feeling but it was awesome because you guys made it awesome you guys were very confident in my ability you guys um you know gave me the reins and were completely confident in my ability so it's just like it's more a, a, a tribute to you guys and your positivity that you guys were just like bro just go out there and do what you got to do man you know everybody in the band from the moment go were so welcoming so inviting and everything um i just remember the first time i met you guys i had never seen that many guns in my life <laughs> yeah yep that was the thing with devil and (laughs) i never had seen that many guns in my life and if anybody who gets that you get it if you don't get it don't worry about it (laughs) but it's it was hilarious i was just like oh so that's what we're doing sometimes devil inside video devil inside practices felt like a rap video circa 1997 (laughs) true that man but anyways josh i just want to say thank you man for coming on my show we're gonna i'm gonna have you on my show letting everybody know josh is gonna be back on my show there's a little special episode me and Josh are, um, I'm planning right now, but Josh is going to be a part of it. So I just want to say thank you yeah. to Josh being on my show. I appreciate it, man. And uh, I should be seeing you soon, brother. Should be seeing you soon, man, right? Yep. All thank right, you brother. So much for me. Thank you so much for letting me perform your wedding. <laughs> thank if you, too. If anybody doesn't know that, exactly. I, I, I may flew in Tasha. J- Josh was my officiate. That's how, mu- that's how much I love Josh. Josh is so positive that he <laughs> officiated my wedding. And the funny thing was, me and my wife looked at each other when we figured out we could have somebody marry us, and we both said you at the same time. <laughs> it wasn't even like a second thought. We were just like, Josh. <laughs> But thank you, Josh, man. Good old fashioned future, man. Exactly, man. Thank you, Josh, man. I love you, brother, and I'll see you soon. All right, man? Thanks so much for having me, Blue. I love you too. All right. Thank you guys for listening to today's show. If you'd like to talk to me on social media, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Blue Presents a Podcast. Also on Twitter at Podcast of Blue. Thank you guys. Have a great day.